If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the In and After Show. I'm back. I went to New York and I came back from New York all in one piece, uh, okay. a little bit lagged. How tired um, are your arms, Lindsay? Are they... <laughs> hey. How are you like whipping out those jokes when you don't even have kids yet? That's like not legal. Uh, they give you a license for that? For those dad jokes? No, I, I'm, I'm 100% an unlicensed dad joker. The, <laughs> the, the dad joke police will come for me. Um, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, for those who didn't know, I was in New York for Anime NYC, which is one of the last really big con of the year. Anime Frontier is going to be in Texas, which is kind of run by the same folks. Um, but that's uh, a new one. And it'll be exciting to kind of see how that turns out. But yeah, it was uh, at the Javits. Uh, huge turnout. Still a comfortable size con, I think, if you want, like, kind of the bigger con experience without the um, sardines in a can feeling. So it's still, like, comfortable getting around, although they do have plans to, to expand. They want to they wanna move in further into the, the Javits and, um, you know, just expand the programming, I think. So we'll have to see how that turns out. But the big thing at Anime NYC, the inescapably biggest part of it was definitely Hajime Isayama was there, the creator of Attack on Titan. I was going to say, you might even call it a a Titanic event. It's okay, it's fine. There'll be more opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pause next time to give you (laughs) a little work that in there, yeah. Um, He has never been to the United States before. Like, this was his first convention stateside. I assume he got the opportunity because Attack on Titan, has, the manga has wrapped up, so he's not currently writing it anymore. Um, I got to interview him, and I uh, didn't absolutely lose my shit, which is, you know, important when when you get... I've only had a couple opportunities to, like, do the household name interviews. Uh, the other one was, you know, uh, Satomoto, the Evangelion manga creator. Slash oh, yeah. a whole bunch of other things in 2013. Um, him and I've gotten to interview uh, Geno Urobuchi a few times, but um, this was definitely definitely up there on my 
big, big name list. Also, if you hear a cat, that's Isidore, and she's really mad. I'm not letting her into the office right now while I record, um, but she's obnoxious, and she'd be up on screen and, like, headbutting the microphone. So she can't come in right now. How dare you not let her into her office? It's just so, <laughs> yeah, she's... so disrespectful to her territory. You know? just... <laughs> but so I got to I got to interview him um, and go to his panel. And so I'll, I'll be talking about that a little bit as long as as well as some of the, the other cool stuff going on at Anime NYC. We're going to talk about the latest episode of Attack on Titan, which was disgusting. You mean Chainsaw Man? Yeah, did I say Attack on Titan? Yeah, Attack on Titan is always disgusting. Yeah, Chainsaw I was gonna Man say the latest episode of Attack on Titan, whenever it comes out, will be disgusting. It sure. will be. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, uh, Chainsaw Man was super gross. Uh, you and I knew this was coming. Um, didn't stop it from being super gross. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Akiba Made War, you know, just is continuing to hit it out of the park every single week. Going um, places. It's every, going every, places. Every, a couple every days. Day. Yeah, the next episode is going to be out in a couple days, and I heard it's about baseball, so Good. I'm excited to see Maids play baseball. Good. And I also want to talk about uh, Gundam, since it's back this week. It took a one week off, so you know we got to check in with those disaster space children and yes. see how they're doing. But, so before we get to all that, uh, remind you to please subscribe to this channel on YouTube. We're here every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Or you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts the following day. It's usually up by noon. I do my best. Um, you can also, this is also streaming on Facebook and Twitter. So if you follow our Twitter account, which is at anime, um, this is live there right now. Um, Assuming Twitter is still functional by the time. Yes. Well, right now, as of this recording, it still exists. But, you know, that could change at any time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we're over on Facebook, too, if, you know, if you still use that. I've heard that there are people here that do still use that. So there we go. Yeah. Hi, Facebook. Hi, Facebook. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Um, how's how's the meta? How's the meta? If anyone's watching this in the meta, I would if, be. Yeah, I would be. That'd be cool. You know, I've seen some um, screenshots of businesses in the metaverse, and I just want to say, looks like shit in there, guys. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> Go play an MMO, please, and and build your your businesses and towns there. You know, buy a house in Final Fantasy. See, there's a free 30-day subscription for Final Fantasy 14. It comes with access to Heaven's Word, and I can't remember the whole meme. But point being, Final Fantasy 14. If you built your your business in Eurasia, you'd make money. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right into the Hajime Isayama at Anime NYC talk here. He had a panel um, that was in the special events room, which is was the biggest space at Anime NYC. It was totally full from what I could see. You had to put your name in a lottery to get a seat, you know, unless you were or press or something, you know, it's one of our, our few perks. And um, I had a tweet thread about, you know, what he was talking about. I was, I wasn't live tweeting it. Actually, I brought my husband with me to a con for the first time in forever. And I had him live tweet it as me while I took notes. He was a very good PA. Uh, he introduced himself as my PA to people. <laughs> several times so anyway um if you if you didn't see that thread that's final um but the panel itself was it was really interesting they talked about a lot of things i didn't already know like um the specific piece of artwork called kaiju that um inspired isayama at a very young age 
to with the concept of Attack on Titan that he first floated it as like a pilot chapter when he was 19, got rejected by a whole bunch of publishers before he met his editor at Kodansha. I bet who, they all feel really stupid right now. <laughs> probably. Admittedly, and Isiana will tell you this, he really didn't think his art was good enough and quite a few of the editors told him they liked the concept but that his art just wasn't um, up to par. And, you know, if you read the manga, like he got better with time and I don't think he should be too hard on himself. If you ever read early chapters of All oh My Goddess, it don't look anything like later chapters <laughs> of All oh My Goddess. Like it's a little funky looking there in the beginning and definitely improved with time. So it's not like that's it. One of my favorite like two thousands era like cultural touchstone mm -hmm. is all of the um all of the four panel gamer comics and just watching watching the art on like you know page one yeah it, you know where it's like it, it worse than MS Paint I mean MS Paint was like a parody of that and then <laughs> after like ten years it would look you know and sometimes it would look like fairly pretty good and I mean to be honest that's that's how real art works all art like i think there's this misconception that some people are just like they like wake up from at from birth with like a pencil in their hand and then can just like draw amazing things and the reality of it is it's just from drawing constantly for a long period of time it's a it's a commitment and it's not just you know oh i have this natural talents and that's why I can do the art and you cannot do the art. Um, but uh, Isayama struck me as a, as a particularly humble guy and someone who seems um, at least to some degree still very shooken up about ending his manga and the reception the ending of his manga had. Um, this became kind of apparent throughout before the con even started. Uh, Kodansha put a statement from him on their Instagram where he basically acknowledged that the ending was controversial, but he asked people to please be nice to him, showing that he kind of maybe had some anxiety at a, for appearing at this huge event with a bunch of people who had read his stories and thinking that, you know, maybe people were going to confront him and be like mean, <laughs> you know, like maybe he was worried about that. And so when we went to the panel, um, it was asked to him, did you know how the story was going to end, you know, when you started it? And even asking him about that at the panel, the audience, just all this like kind of ominous murmuring started like, oh shit, like did they just ask him about the ending? Are we going to actually talk about the ending? I mean, I, I don't think we should ask him about the ending because like, yeah. and um, this was kind of the biggest moment at the, at the panel itself is that um, he said that, he had a general idea of how he wanted it to end and it was still based on that piece of artwork. Um, let me, let me pull up the artwork really quick because it, it was, um, it was by a, a famous artist. He's very well regarded. He was very well regarded in his time. Um, if I can, oh gosh, if I can remember, uh, give me just a sec, James. Kill time. I, I've got to look something up. Well, while we're killing time, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm also curious to know um, the um, <clears throat> uh, at the panel. Were there? What was it like? Was there any? Because I know we got the first key art for the new, the the final, final, final season. Um, mm -hmm. Did it? Was there any like kind of cross promotional stuff going on? Were they trying to like kind of? They really didn't discuss the anime like at all, which is okay. pretty 
interesting because I think because it was Kodansha, um, even though uh, Wit Studio was also there and they did the early seasons, but there was really a no cross discussion about the anime itself. Okay. It was all focused um, on the the manga. Okay, I found it. So let me just. I guess it could be they're waiting until it's closer to whatever the release date's going to be to start hyping it up. But yeah. Yeah, and I mean that would kind of be on on Mappa's end when that happens. Okay, so this is this is the painting that, he, and it was shown during the panel, um, and it's called Kaiju. And this came out probably in like um, the nineteen fifties or sixties. Uh, what's interesting about it is that the artist himself was was popular for basically taking small torn pieces of paper and putting them, uh, using those to create. Like a collage? A collage, yeah. Okay. Um, and the artist of that, let me just pull that up because I want, because the artist it's based on is he's a pretty interesting dude. He, um, do, do, do. Last name, uh, his name is Kiyoshi Yamashita. And he was kind of known as the Japanese Van Gogh at the time. And the, the form of artwork I was talking about is called a Chigiri A. Okay. So that, that's how he made it. And um, his life was just really interesting. Um, he, he was very likely autistic and initially was put in a, um, he was bullied very heavily in school and reacted violently once. And so then he was put into a care facility for the mentally handicapped and started doing art there and did it very well. But this was also World War II two was coming up and he didn't want to do the testing to go into the Imperial Japanese army. So he fled. He just like packed up a backpack and then started traveling around everywhere and making art, but not really staying in one place very long. So they couldn't find him. Yeah, they, did, okay. they did eventually find him and he was, you know, uh, not made to go in, into the army at the time and, and continued on. He didn't live very long. I think he died of, it was in his late forties due to a, a heart condition. So, but yeah, but that kaiju artwork, uh, Isayama saw it at a very young age, and it stuck with him to the point where by the time he was 19, that's when he submitted his his pilot manga chapter. So anyway, it was asked at the con, did you always know how your story was going to end? And I'm not going to um, tell you the ending. We're not going to spoil the ending here. But like I said, it's controversial. Um, it, there was backlash involved. And... Um, Isayama even said at the time, um, I knew where the series would land, but details like how the main character would get there weren't determined. And he said, I still have my doubt. I still have my doubts within myself if I did it right. I still struggle with this point, and I'm really sorry about it. So he basically apologized to the entire this room, oh. this huge room of people for the ending. And so everyone immediately. You know, started. Someone yelled out like, "We love you!" And, you know, they start. You know, and the applause came, and people stood up and they cheered. And his immediate reaction was to kind of like put a hand to his heart, like you know, he was struck by the outpouring, and then kind of like do a slight that. And then he said, "I'm trying not to cry." And I was like, yeah. "Am I gonna watch this man cry on stage?" And I feel like I also knew, but didn't that he's he's only 36 years old. Like that's wild. Yeah. He's only oh, like wow. a year older than I am. And he started the manga, you know, in his early 20s. Because again, the pilot was when he was 19. And then he said, you know, he spent about six more months after that working on it. And...
I, I, I for one cannot believe that, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of the stuff that I made when I was 19 and it was all pretty terrible. So pretty much everything I ever worked on as a teenager was bad. Um, so the fact that he came up with something that was even like 20% as good as what the final product of Attack on Titan would someday be. Yeah. Was pretty incredible. Yeah. I tried to make a manga with a friend when I was like, uh, in seventh grade or something it was some sailor moon sort of knockoff and we made like two issues of it or something and showed it to our classmates but that was kind of the extent of it uh yeah it's just it was really kind of heart-wrenching and you can tell that i i don't know if he'll make another manga to be absolutely honest i mean attack on titan has made him a lot of money i mean he said that the he was really broke when he started making it he said um, that none of his family or, or friends believed that he would succeed either, which is just sort of hard to hear. Like he didn't have. And now I bet they're all feeling like idiots too, because that man yeah. never has to work another day in his life. Yeah, he, he, didn't have, he didn't have anyone in his corner at the time, and then there was the backlash over the ending, and him apologizing for the ending and uh, they asked him at the panel um, if he'll make another manga and I don't know if this was I hope I don't know if this was the question being translated directly or not but he actually responded with no sorry <laughs> and that was just sort of it like um, and he's said in, in past uh, like television programs in Japan that maybe there's something else he wants to make but he's not sure if he'll do it um, so it just seems like from you know, this is just me reading into it. Can't, cannot confirm, you know, I don't know what's in his heart, but uh, I don't know. It kind of seemed a little bit like he was traumatized by the whole thing. He only slept like two to three hours during the final weeks of making it. He wasn't sleeping at all. Um, he was just really uh, worried about living up to fans' expectations for how to end the manga. And that sounds like horrible. I don't, I don't know if I'd want to make art again. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah. And I mean, especially just with the way that that manga like that is published, and you know the the work schedule that you have to stick to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it's not good for your health, you know. Yeah. Um, unless you're in a position like, um, you know, like uh, Tats Tatsuki Fujimoto, he was able to take a, a significant amount of time off of Chainsaw Man to pursue other projects and presumably rest. Yeah. Um, Hopefully. And maybe get a little bit of like headway done so he didn't have to 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 work the obscene uh hours that even even the 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 mangaka with um with assistance, you know, yeah. it's it's still it is a, a it's an insane amount of work to take on um with the expectations the way that they are. So uh I for one uh applaud the man if he never works another day in his life. He, he's earned it. Yeah, um, or if he finally gets to open that onsen that he wants, he loves onsens. He referred to them as a legal drug. So, sure. yeah, if you know, if he wants to go retire at thirty six with his wife and and work an onsen or something, sure, do it. So, yeah, um, I just hope that you know he finds some kind of peace with what he made and how it turned out, regardless of whether everyone was happy with it or not. You can't make everybody happy, and that's probably definitely harder when your audience is as broad as it is. So even if it's a small percentage of people that aren't happy, if it's a small percentage of a really big number, that's still a lot of people yelling at you. Yes. So, well, it's good to know that um, now that the issue has been fully resolved, the ending of attack on Titan will never generate controversy ever again. I'm sure. 
<laughs> When's the next yeah. season come out, James? Uh, sometime in like January is my guess. Why? Yeah. Um, the completely uncontroversial, you know, yeah, uh, 100% beloved finale of Attack on Titan that everyone is going to adore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other things out of Anime NYC that I wanted to talk about, I mean, other than the Hajime Isayama being a big one, they premiered the first episode of uh, Trigun Stampede. Now, I wasn't at that, but Ruben Baron, a freelancer for us, was. Um, he had, he, their response to it was that it was good. Um, still excited to see what Studio Orange does with that. Um, the other, there's, you know, there were a ton of manga licenses we were going to go through, but Yen Press licensed like 24 books of either light novels, manga, uh, sketchbooks, art books, um, something for everybody really. And the other big one, I guess, is if you've heard of this show called Oshi no Ko, um, that manga, you can read it on Manga Plus, I think is what it is. And it's written by Aka Akasaka, who is the creator of Kaguya-sama, with art by Mengo uh, Yoko Yari, who is the artist behind Scum's Wish. And I didn't know this, but apparently it takes place within the universe of Kaguya-sama. Okay. I don't know how, but they coincide in the same universe. And I think it has a reincarnation angle and involves idols, but there's like a big twist. I don't know what the twist is because I haven't read it yet. But it's getting it. <laughs> I want to read this right now. This <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and um, it's getting an anime adaptation, and High Dive is going to screen it, and I guess the reason, or stream it, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, that just seems like a big get for me. I, I know I said yeah. that when they got Urusei Yatsura, but I'm just I'm just pleased to see that they are continuing to expand their catalog and get some really enticing shows on there, um, like Akiba Made War. Absolutely. Which we'll, which we'll be talking about here in a bit. Oh, but. Yeah. Yeah, um, if I read the description, again, this doesn't really tell you what the twist is, so I feel like you should still maybe read the first volume and see how you feel about it, but Goro is a doctor who coincidentally handles the childbirth of his favorite idol, Ai Hoshino, who took a hiatus from the entertainment industry to give birth to her twin babies. However, oh. just before Ai gives birth, Goro dies from an accident, but is reborn as one of her children, Aquamarine Hoshino. With his memories fully intact. Okay. So that's it. So, so I guess that means magical reincarnation exists in the Kaguya-sama universe then? Wait, so, okay. So is, is he one of the twins or is he a different child that comes later? I assume he's one of the twins. Okay. Just because the death coincides very closely to the birth of the twins. So it would seem like that, that knowledge would that information would only be relevant if he's reborn as one of the hmm. But what happened to that baby's soul, Lindsay? <laughs> what happened? Listen, I don't know how <laughs> souls work in this universe, okay? Um, presumably, maybe you don't get assigned a soul until after you're born? Until so, like five minutes after? Birth? Or however? <laughs> okay. Wait, okay. So I thought, okay. I thought that he helped give birth to the twins. No, he died before he could deliver them. Okay, 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 right. okay. I okay. thought he gave birth to them and then immediately after died and then just like popped into one of the twins' bodies. Like, and, kicked, like, and kicked the residing soul. Yeah, out. and I was like, what the heck? That that yeah. little baby, like he had a whole thing going. <laughs> had a whole thing going and then it just got it just got hijacked. No, yeah. Um yeah, just before I gives birth, he dies. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm down. I will definitely check it out. 
Yeah, yeah. I um, it's, it's I've like start favorited it with the means meaning to go back to it, but still have it. Same with the Hell's Paradise, which the trailer for that isn't new, but Crunchyroll confirmed that they're gonna stream that at Anime NYC, and I'm still like pumped for that one because it's. Just and that looks... one's done, right? That manga's finished. Am, am Is I... it? Always coming out with the questions, reminding me things I should have known before I started talking. Hell's Paradise manga. I just remember us talking a while ago about one of the the big new shonen anime that was coming out, and that it was there was one of them where it uh, ended last year, and it's thirteen volumes. Okay, that's the one I was thinking of. Where yeah, we know it has an ending. Yes, Um, so that's good. It's not going to just like go off on on its own. Yeah, which can also be fine, but you know. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of it. There weren't any like uh, new anime really announced. I think that we didn't already know about. Um, just like Crunchyroll's got a lot of it. They premiered the first episode for some of their January slate, and of those, um, the freelancer that I sent there again, Ruben Baron, um, said that Tomochan is a girl is the one that probably looks the best out of that bunch, which okay. is a, a rom com about you know this very tomboyish uh, girl. And her best friend is a, is a guy who's apparently kind of a playboy and really dense. And she confesses to him. And he doesn't even kind of realize that she's confessed because he doesn't. He looks at her like one of the guys kind of deal. And kind of like a Nozaki-kun situation. Yeah. And there's, you know, shenanigans and whatnot. So okay, I might be one to keep your eye on for, for January. Yeah. So let's get right into Chainsaw Man. AKA the barf episode getting puked in the mouth. Oh my God. So this is once again, another example of an episode where I kind of, I remembered the overall plot from the manga, but not like the, the nitty gritty details, like all of the, um, here, let's use this one. Yeah. The nitty gritty details. So I didn't really like, like, I knew that they were going to fight the Eternity Devil, and I knew they were going to make it out, but I didn't mess. And I knew that, you know, Denji was going to get barfed. His first kiss was going to be full of barf. You don't, you, know, you don't forget a barf kiss. <laughs> oh, God. It's really disgusting. But I didn't remember that, say, he fights the Eternity Devil for three days straight while everyone's starving. And he's just drinking they, all that nasty blood. Just drinking all that nasty blood. Um... And that, yeah, that whole sequence was a lot. Like, this isn't a dinner time episode. This no, is a... don't watch this during dinner. Um, I thought this this use of flashback about Aki and um, Himeno and her past partners was good. I always just love like whenever this guy shows up because he's sexy. Yes, he um, and like a you know gross uncle kind of way. I don't know. It's the voice actor. It's what's one hundred percent. The voice actor. He's also got one of those scars on his face that like tells you a story without having to see it. You know, at some point something sharp got stuck in his mouth and like cut him open like a fish, and then he had to get stitched back up. Don't know how it happened, but it but. turns out he was actually just a really enthusiastic Joker cosplayer back in the day. Um <laughs> back in the day, huh? Back in the day, yeah. That we're, well, we're talking Tim Burton Batman, given this time period. It has, yeah, given this time period, yeah. So Jack Nicholson and said, I have to be that guy. Um, 
Or maybe he's an Ichi the Killer fanboy. I think that, that would I think maybe that would make a little well, I'm not sure. That might have came out in the early. It actually kind of looks like Ichi, to be honest. I, he does a little bit. Did, I wouldn't be surprised if it's an intentional reference. It, it could be because yeah, did Ichi the Killer have that dye job where it was like a sun in sort of blonde and then just like shaved I, on the sides? I want, I want to say he at least had the blonde on top. Yeah. It's been a while, but I'm I'm sure Fujimoto has seen Ichi the Killer. Now that I think about it, because like, isn't in the final reveal he's wearing some weird like latex knife getup? I think so. It's been I, a long time since I've watched. I watched that, that movie. <laughs> I watched that movie in middle school. So. Yeah, you and I had this somehow had the same like non-involved parents when it came to our entertainment because it yeah. seems like we both watched. Movies we really shouldn't have watched oh, yeah. starting at like 14 years old or something. Like this. Oh, like Each of the Killer around that age, Requiem for a Dream around that age, yeah. just like yeah. the, Fight the, Club. The, the minute I could get DVDs from the library without having to check them out at the Blockbuster, that was the uh -huh. end of it. That's right. Yeah. Because they yeah. did not care. <laughs> I had friends who had older siblings. And so they would just take them out of their room. And then we're, yeah. Yeah. My, my dad made like a, kind of a feeble effort to pretend that he cared. Like uh -huh. he would put like the the deep like the parental control password on like um TV MA TV shows. Okay. But then like he when I would tell him like, oh yeah, like I watched like the Texas Chainsaw Mask or whatever, he'd be like, oh how, how'd you like it? Like he didn't I, <laughs> I honestly don't know why he like, tried. If you, want, if you cared enough to hack the password, then there's no stopping you. So what'd you think of the movie? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah but Someone uh quantify in the comment said perpetual motion. That was actually do we have a screenshot of that? Because that was we actually one of my favorite things. I got a lot of screenshots for this one. I tried yeah. to get something that could potentially be <laughs> Eureka, dude. Yeah, I'm a fucking perpetual motion machine. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, that was a good line. That Although no, and this could just be a translation thing. Like maybe mm -hmm. it's a, a different term he's using. Yeah. But given given that Denji is not even literate enough to read a dinner menu at a restaurant. That's true. Does it? And not that I care. Okay. Does it make sense that he knows what a perpetual motion machine is? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I'll disagree that that's an inconsistency with, yeah, because later we see that he can't read kanji. Um, and... I mean, ding, the anime's ruined. It's over. It's Two stars oh, out of five. Here, let's just let's just make up a theory that when he's in chainsaw mode, somehow he retains the intelligence of the devil that has possessed him and is thus smarter. And that devil has like a high school education. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, when he All meets right. Pochita, Pochita's like in a wounded state. And we get a sense also from the eternity devil here who was familiar with chainsaw, uh, the chainsaw devil. He says that he's much weaker than he used to be. Chainsaw, chainsaw Devil's got a rep. So yeah, implying that Chainsaw Devil's got a rep, and that rep used to be that he was way scarier than he is even now. So maybe Pochita, you know, as a devil, wasn't always just a tiny little cute doggy, you know. All right, just, undoing. Uh, anime's yeah. good again. Thank you. Anime's good again. All right, yeah. we fixed it. Um, how did you interpret this? Okay, so like he was like watching him like tear the fuck up out of this uh, eternity devil. She's having these flashbacks about how like the best devil hunters are crazy. Um, yeah. You know, if you're if if you've got your head on straight, you're dead. You need someone who's nuts enough that the devils can't predict what's going to happen. And also, yeah. 
are basically too crazy to be scared of the devil so the devils can't feed off of them to get power. And Kimono thinks about all this and then she kind of enters what looks like a somewhat ecstatic state while watching him. I mean, we're we're probably going to have to talk about how much this adult woman is thirsting after the 16-ish year old boy. Um, But, you know, whatever. Like, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, we know that when Aki joined up with her, he was also younger. I don't know if Aki's supposed to be the same age as Denji or maybe like 18 or 19, like a couple of years older sort of thing. We were talking then last week, someone in the chat mentioned that he, he has to be at least, um, he's old enough to drink, right? So he's at least 20. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's old enough to drink. So he's probably... He cigarettes, so. Yeah. Okay, good point. Yeah. So, I mean, he wasn't when they when they first met but yeah. at least now he's probably at least 20 and, and denji's 16 yeah um this was a weird point for me in the manga too not this particular scene where she's looking at him, but just this particular develop with himeno i mean she's always kind of flirty right like you know she presents the the kiss motivation for him to begin with um there's also the fact that she seemed at least when they finally get to the bar like she didn't she seemed surprised to find out he was 16 and because she turns around, she's like, you didn't drink anything, did you? And he's like, it's yeah. just tea. It's just iced tea. Um, so I think she thought he was at least 20. Um, or 18 or whatever. Like, or yeah. whatever. I mean, yeah, you got to be 20 to order at a bar, but maybe you would turn your, you know, turn away, not really like call someone out if, if they were 18 instead. I don't know. Um, I guess it's important to note that Denji does say that he thinks he's 16. That's also true. Because he doesn't boys actually never, know. So. Yeah, boys never had a calendar. You know, probably lost track of day, week, or year at some point whenever his parent is, you know. Because his dad died when he was pretty young. And yeah. so he's just kind of been, and he's never been to school. Or at least no. hasn't in a very long time. No, boy, so, was, boy was eating bread out of the trash for a Yeah, day, was so. eating Bread out of the trash. Um, I don't know how uh, Aki got healed. I mean, they t- take him to the hospital, but he supposedly had an open wound for like three days while Denshi was fighting. Um, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the the fox devil can like can like heal you once you. But they didn't have any access to the fox devil inside the hotel because they were trapped in. Well, no, but once he's out of the hotel. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Maybe, sure. maybe that helped her. I don't know. So when Denji finally finds the Eternity Devil's heart, and you've got a screenshot up here of its googly eyes saying, please kill me, all that reminds me of is the, like, ostrich um, abomination from South Park. Because my husband and I still have this ongoing thing as a joke where we'll do the voice and say, please kill me. Because that's what happens in the, the episode where it's, please kill me. It's I feel like it's happened in a lot of South Park episodes. I don't recall the ostrich, but I'm sure they've it was an ostrich-human hybrid, and I really don't okay. want to get into the details of how it existed. But that's probably better that we. I think it was the PETA episode. If that kind of puts things into perspective. Oh, you know bit. what? That's yeah. kind of um, that, that's ringing some bells. Yeah, it's bells. it's scarring. Um, this picture is a mood. It is. It is. We've all been there, you know. <laughs> I'll spend three days starving to death in a pocket dimension while your co-workers try to murder you and or drink toilet water and uh you know i do think yeah. I, re- I really do think it's funny one of my favorite uh, i love how i really have to um i cannot emphasize enough how funny chainsaw man is like just yeah. and not just like funny because it's so absurd but like just 
the levels of humor. It has like the super absurd jokes. It has the really subtle jokes. And just just the line where um where human was like, yeah, uh Kobeni and Arai both feel really bad about trying to kill Denji. So they're kind of thinking of quitting. It's like, yeah, I mean, I probably would too. Yeah. If I was yeah. Them, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can go back to the office today. I definitely threatened my coworker with murder. So yeah. Many times. And shanked the wrong one with a kitchen knife, you know? That's, that's I'm feeling so good. Like, it just took a huge shit. This exact that's line, I'm pretty sure, is in the manga. Um, mm-hmm. It's hashtag relatable, but still not something I think most people would say out loud, which is why this show works. Is I mean, honest, I feel like outside of skipping the, what was it, the muscle devil? Mm-hmm. Um, outside of skipping that early fight in episode two, I want to say, I don't think the manga has really cut anything outside of maybe like a, a line here or there or like yeah. a shot here or there. But um, it's been like remarkably just kind of on point with with everything that has been in the manga so far, at least to my, to my memory. Um, I didn't, this week I didn't do the, I did I haven't gone back and checked the manga to like compare and contrast at all, but I feel like it's been doing a pretty good job with um, keeping everything, even the things that people thought they wouldn't keep. Like, yeah. that, like Denji getting puked all over in the mouth and then swallowing it like a little, like a weird little creature. <laughs> oh God. So, so yeah, I mean, Himeno promised, Denji a, a kiss with tongue as a reward for getting them out of the hotel slash killing the, the devil there. They all go out to eat. Um, Makima's even invited. Himeno is drinking herself under the table because I think that girl's got unresolved trauma from all the deaths of her partners and whatnot and anxiety about Aki dying and yeah, these are all deeply broken people. Yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. And we there are a couple of people we haven't met before at the table. The the three folks there at the end um were not in the hotel with them, but are also, you know, part of the, the public sector that that does this. Um Power's big move is just taking all the food for herself and refusing to share like one of my cats whenever I open the wet cat food. Yep. That's just, what you have to do. That's the only way to make sure that what you that what's yours is yours. Yeah, I mean, I too would just, you know, if I was a blood devil and I could hammer someone in with my own plasma, maybe I too would be like, I'm taking all the sashimi, bitch. Well, okay. I I don't think I got a screenshot of it because the conversation was like too many individual lines of dialogue to make it worthwhile. Yeah, but, um, you really do have to commend power for resisting her urge to just kill everyone there and take their shit. Yeah. Because she could do that. She could. Except, well, I guess, I mean, maybe a part of it, she knows that Denji would kill her. But, yeah. um, you know, like she, like, hey, you know, uh, I've been introducing, uh, my wife and I, we've been introducing a new cat into our home. And mm-hmm. the, the food, the food feuds are real. Yeah. And the fact that she's not even like stabbing anyone in the hand with a fork. Yeah. That's that's power progress right there. That, yeah, that's true. She also didn't throw any food on the walls this time. Um, looking back at the fight we saw earlier, I'm a little curious why she never jumped in. Ah, uh, Denji had it. <laughs> it went for three days. Well, okay. I mean, but let's be real. That okay. guy is a, a flailing mass of chainsaw limbs mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. virtually no self-control. That's true. It's a small like, enclosed space. Yeah, so. like I mean, I don't know what she could do other than just get sliced up. Yeah. Fair. So, and she was tired. 
you know. And she was tired. For, she was, for she was hungry. She also didn't eat for three days. So yeah. Also, I, like I know I ragged on Kobeni pretty hard last week. Um, a lot of people did, and there was a lot of backlash to the backlash to Kobeni for all of us being so mean about her. You know, completely losing it during the entire situation. So I'm going to throw her a bone here and tell her tell you that her outfit was cute in this That's episode. Hmm. It was cute. She had a couple little cute lines about how alcohol is best when it's on someone else's tab. Um, also, even though her outfit was cute, it's a hand-me-down from her sister. And apparently she has eight sisters, I think, if I caught that line. Sisters. She has, if she has eight, there's that makes ten of them all together because... It's the brother that's going to college. Yep. And then there's her, and then there's the eight sisters. So that is 10 children. What is happening? Uh, it also makes me think that there might be a little bit of, um, I don't know, a gender disparity in that household. If uh, if they're saying that the brother's the only one that's good enough to go to school and the eight women that are living there. Yeah, um, well, I guess they didn't explicitly say none of, none of the other sisters are going to college. It's just that the brother gets to go instead of Kobeni specifically. So, I mean... There's some wiggle room there, but that it could be that the whole family also just thinks she sucks. But that's also possible. <laughs> I mean, the that many once you start, once you get like past, let's say five, and I feel like it's okay for me to say this because the mom comes from a family of seven. There's seven of them, and her her dad was family of thirteen. Okay, so like, but it's. Unusual for the 90s, especially for that many kids. And it's just like, is this like a one of those full quiver situations? I mean, I know that's not really a religious thing in Japan specifically, but it's kind of weird. It's yeah. kind of weird. Maybe it was just one of those things where it's like her brother was born last and they just like needed, felt like they had to have a boy. And so they kept trying and it took 10 tries. I don't know. That's just, that's a lot of kids. Also, power takes all the fried chicken, too, which is yes. the correct and appropriate response. Yeah. So, yeah. Denji can't read. Um, can someone please send this picture to uh, Leah Michelle from Glee for me? Um, I think she could relate specifically okay. to this uh, image. Anyone that's ever tried to learn Japanese can relate to this image. I'll tell you what. This is a... <laughs> That, that that moment gave me flashbacks to my high school, uh, my college Japanese classes. Yeah. Every, everything was going great. Yeah. Uh, right up until we started learning kanji. And then I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm good with the hiragana. I'm good with the katakana. And then, but the kanji. Also, it's a handwritten menu. It's not, like, typed even. So, I mean. It was, I, I, I thought it was maybe just like a, like a, like a font, like a. You know those fancy restaurants that like oh sure the menus look all. You think like this is like Japanese cursive, James? Yeah. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I've seen Japanese cursive. It is uh, genuinely illegible. So no, well, this is this is just you know uh, stylish. Well, what I can tell you is this is uh, fried potatoes for two hundred yen right here. Potato. Two bucks for a plate of chips. Uh, yeah. Nineties prices right there. And this is you know the kisu tempura. Which, um, that's so good. And here's the So here's the fried chicken right here, the karaage. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, that kisu temper is what's that's what gets this whole train of rolling. And, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. And Denji gets. Uh... <laughs> that's such a good face. It is. He's like, eh. um, <laughs> I'm 16, if I remember right, and my hobbies are eating and sleeping. The hobby of every teenager. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering, I just now noticed, and I'm I'm curious if this is another situation like we had with the uh, porno magazines earlier. There's a poster in the back of this picture. Yeah, I noticed that too. Introducing himself, or it's a beer poster for lager beer. And I would, dollars to donuts, bet you it's based on like a real poster from that, like real ad from oh, that totally. kind of period. Oh, totally. with a, I, oh, Hayak Captain is like a, I don't think he's called um, Aki that before, but it's amusing to me that they keep making up different little nicknames for him, like Haya Captain. Um, Aki's eating. I'm trying to get to the part where, yes, okay, so Makima does eventually show up, and it puts Denji in this really funny situation where um, he doesn't want Makima to see him kiss Himeno, and he still wants Himeno to kiss him. But, like, the guy's trying... What's funny to me is, is, like, he's trying to play both fields with these women a little bit. Yes. But neither of them are really... He thinks he's kind of being a player. Yes. But they're not actually into him. No. 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 <laughs> no, it is... It, yeah, it is... Um, the, 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 the best part of this whole thing is that um, literally no one cares <laughs> except for Denji. He yeah. has made, you know, this is his entire identity is the fact that he's going to get to make out with a hot woman at some point, yeah. presumably based on the the uh, work incentive promises he's been given. I'm impressed with uh, Makima's drinking abilities. They're like inhuman, basically. I mean, I have I have met men and women. Yeah. Like, mostly women, actually. <laughs> Most of like the real, real heavyweights I've met in my life have all been women. Yeah. And, um, I have, I have seen that many empty, um, empty beer, beer mugs. That is impressive to me as someone who is a lightweight. Yeah. I, it takes me exactly like one and a half drinks, like uh, cocktails. And it's like, all right, I gotta stop. Or I'm going to have a headache and also get really, really annoying slash, you know, lose my sense of depth and balance i mean i feel i feel like in japan like especially in like the corporate world or whatever you kind of have to you have to build up some level of tolerance since like binge work drink sessions or yeah. like a, a real thing there and aki's um, probably been at it for a while or not aki sorry um makima's probably been at it for a while given her position too like yeah well especially i mean if you're trying to impress you know all of the people that are presumably expecting you to you know not be good at your job for whatever reason, um, then you probably are going to figure out some some techniques. You know, maybe yeah. she maybe she did a little bit of pregame Gatorading to, to get those maybe, electrolytes, man. You're gonna need them. Maybe she maybe she like uh, strategically ate so that her stomach isn't empty, but it mm-hmm. has enough room to you know to to contain all of that alcohol. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She's got a, She's probably got. She's probably got some techniques. Um, so we saw in an earlier screenshot here that he may know was passed the fuck out, but she doesn't stay past the fuck out. And did you specifically not screenshot it, James? Did I not? I totally thought I did. Oh, there it there is. There it is. Yay! The money shot. So it's censored for TV. Um, it is not in the manga. So if you yeah. go to the manga, you can you know get all the chunky bits if for some reason you want that. But like 
I almost wonder like, if vomit is sensitive. This is grosser, though, for it some reason. It looks like reason. a turd, for one thing. When yeah. Like that. It looks like she's just uh, mouth crapping into his mouth. Yeah. But, um, or like coughing up a hairball. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I almost wonder if they censor vomit in anime so much because it's hard to animate. Oh. Like, you know, fluid, fluid is, you know, notoriously not fun, especially if there's like chunks in it, my guess would be. Yeah. Plus, I'm sure it's like, a, it's basically like a bit at this point, you know? Yeah. Like how, uh, like how censored cursing is always funnier than, than just regular cursing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know what they've been eating anyway. So like you look at the color on the screenshot and you're like, oh, it's, it's the chicken. It's chicken and it's chicken and beer, really. It's, yeah. Yeah. Know. So that's Denji's first kiss is vomit. And yeah, that I, I think that would be traumatizing. Well, but Lindsay, that's not all though. That's not all because she doesn't just vomit into his mouth as power notes because Denji was a desperate little trash boy for most of his life yeah. and um, lived in absolute destitution. He has trained himself to never waste a single bite of food including food that has already been partially digested by another human being. So gross. And so while child Denji can look upon those alley rats and laugh at their, their, their puke eating. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's only been so, there's only so much that, uh, that he can do in the, in the middle of the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, I mean, this was sort of, this made the joke funnier because it was like this in a tragic sense. Cause you get this flashback. He's literally eating what looks like a hamburger that he found in the garbage and sharing it with Pochita, but they're judging the rats who are eating like puke off the ground. And now it's like, now who's the rat Denji? It's you. It's you. And Arai rubs his back the whole time. And so, you know, you've really hit a low when Arai is like comforting you. Yeah. Like when, when Arai is not the most embarrassing person in the room. That's yeah. when you know things have gone really bad. Yeah. So the episode ends with Himeno taking Denji back home with her. And everyone's just sort of like, where'd Denji go? Oh, Himeno. You shouldn't be letting Himeno take any. She's like the most drunk person in the room. Yes. Why is No one should let her be responsible for anything at this point. And again, this is something that like clicked in my brain from the manga that I'd completely forgotten about her taking him home with her. And this episode also ends, I think, at the same place that chapter breaks out with her essentially propositioning him for sex. And it's yes. really uncomfortable because she's drunk Very. Um, and older. Uh, yes. Denji seems like he's got a hangover or something when he's laying there. He seems disoriented, which is confusing to me because he didn't. Drink. Well, no, because I, 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 I think she spits beer into his mouth. That's true. And yeah. so I, I think he's such a lightweight that, yeah. like, Drinking her mouth beer gets him a little buzzed. Yeah. Which again, there's just so many layers. It's like, why do you keep regurgitating things into people though? Like this isn't vomit, but it's still like here's the here's the beer from my mouth. And I'm trying to figure out like, is this hot kind of in like that completely trashy sort of way? Or is it just look, I, I'm not gonna pretend to be in any way interested in someone spitting beer into my mouth. That's good. Sure. But can I just say that the way this scene was animated and directed, mm -hmm. um, the you know the very intentional weighty movement, the the POV shots, yeah. um, 
It was kind of hot. I mean, yeah, I think it, it was I think definitely kind of hot. Like, it was like, they were definitely going for sexy. Like whether it worked for the individual viewer or not, you know, up to you. But that was definitely, I feel like, the intention with the POV shots. And yeah, like when she, because she climbs on top of him and straddles him. And like, there's definitely a sense of weight to like her, her legs going on either side of him and then drinking the beer and then leaning over and putting it in his mouth and all those other sorts of things where you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can see what they're doing here. It does still seem kind of like someone you might've hooked up with from a shady club yeah. on the wrong side of town and went home and you're like, what, wait, what am I doing? Is this person maybe going to rob me afterwards? I don't, you know. To be clear, know. this isn't a good situation. No, you know, this is not. This is not. A and is not endorsing whatever this is. Yeah, not. <laughs> the comments yeah. made during uh, the A after show are not yeah. to be. Uh, they're not the the views or opinions of my employer. I've probably said this before. Um, so even though James and I may have say, said this is quote unquote hot, you are not to replicate this at no. any point in time in real life. No consent. Um, consent in both age and uh, sobriety is paramount here. Yeah, because again, like Himeno is confused about how he even got there, which kind of insinuates that maybe she was blackout drunk when she took him home. So yeah. she's like, "Hey, why are you here? Do you want to drink beer from my mouth? Do you want to have sex or something?" And to be um, honest, so, and this shot too. I don't yeah. know if this is an intentional Evangelion uh, riff. Yeah, um, because the this exact shot is in the end of Evangelion and yeah. probably one of the films. Um, but at the very least, you know, my synapses started firing and I yeah. feel like, like in all seriousness, I'm a, I'm sure Tatsuki Fujimoto thinks this is pretty hot on some level, but <laughs> I think what's also happening is I kind of feel like what the, the show is doing is taking the, um, the, um, the Masato archetype, mm-hmm. you know, the drunk, yeah. oh, the, yeah. the drunk disaster mom. Yeah. But it's, like everything else in the show, it's basically it's pushing it further and and playing it out. I think a little more realistically, mm-hmm. where you know, here's what would happen if an emotionally damaged and traumatized adult, but still you know, inexperienced youthful woman, um, was placed in some level of authority over a teenage boy, and then there was some kind of weird stuff going on between them. Or, yeah, you know, because Evangelion plays with that, but you know, Chancellor Rand is like, here's what it would actually be like, and it's kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> I also want to add that, like, in the screenshot, she says, You know, I noticed your head over heels from Akima, and then she brings it up about Aki. And I also think that what's happening right now that she's probably not fully aware of is that this is also her acting out in retaliation um, about makima slash aki oh yeah she's totally like she does not like the attention she's jealous of the attention um that aki gives makima as far as like him being attracted to her instead of being attracted to himeno i'm gonna assume also that himeno and makima are relatively close to the same age um they you know look to be about the the same age group and we kind of got a hint of this earlier because they talked about having the dinner party and then it's Aki who brings up, well, we should do it at this time because he knows Makima's schedule and he's like, she's going to be out of town and I want her to be able to come. And Aki doesn't say anything, but I think that bothered her at the time. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think what, what is her line here? She's like, you could do so much better than that bitch. Like she does not like Makima. 
Yeah, yeah. She calls her a bitch. And um, where we have not seen, like, any interaction between the two of them that suggests that, like, Bakima's mean to her or, like, uh, is rude to her at work or anything. It's just, it seems completely out of spite. She just doesn't like Aki's attraction to Makima. She wants her and Aki to, you know, she asks him to join the private sector with her, which is basically like an equivalent of run away with me in a professional sense, kind of run yeah, away with I mean, me. She's trying to I want you to like, stick around. I yeah. want you to smoke. So that's something we can share together. You know, all these things. And she's like, we could go on dates after work every day. Like yeah. she's yeah. not being subtle, which is probably yeah. also what's really frustrating her because yeah. Aki is so consumed with his need to fight the gun, the gun level. level. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Denji, unfortunately, and I think you sometimes see this in situations that are predatory in a way. Um, you have this older person who feels um, like they're not in control of some element of their life or that they're not getting the recognition that they deserve. And they act out by taking that out onto a younger, inexperienced person that, that mm -hmm. they can manipulate and then feel in control of. And that's what she's doing. It's it's bad. It's yeah, not it's good. not good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, I think honestly, thematically, I think it, it works really well because like you said, it, um, you know, the whole kind of through line of this episode is that in order to do this job, you have to on some level not be well. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I think this, because, you know, I, I joked earlier about how the way it was was animated and filmed was pretty hot, but the actual context of it is very obviously not good. And I think that, you know, I think the the way that the episode ends, I, I think it, I think the show does a good job of making it clear that this is like not a great situation. Yeah. Even and though I, we're in, we're in um, Denji's headspace. Exactly. I was going to say we're in Denji's headspace from his point of view. Yeah. She's a, she's a good looking woman and oh my God, she's interested in me. And this is going to give me opportunities to like do things that I've thought of with a woman before. And it's completely like, you know, he's not thinking about power dynamics or anything between him and her and that's not really supposed to be his responsibility even at 16 he's not yeah. supposed to it would be unusual for him to be um experienced enough to be able to even acknowledge that that's happening so that's why the responsibility is supposed to fall onto he may know and that's is, assuming that was and drunk that's and mad at her yeah. at her boyfriend her the guy she wishes was her boyfriend so and that would be if he were like a well-adjusted like member of society yeah and not a deeply traumatized orphan that's lived most of his life on his own. Yeah. So yeah, it's not it's not fun being a devil hunter. No. Uh since you include some screenshots, I did want to say that I thought the ending to this was awesome. It was very city pop, which I think was intentional. Like all the visuals was very city pop. Um but you know the uh constant uh rainbow <laughs> puke animation was weird and funny. So yeah. Yeah, I just I, I think I think last week I can't remember if we were on the stream or if it was off stream, but I think I uh -huh. said like I can't imagine you know it's going to be really hard for any of these new ending themes to top um, the one from episode five, which was my favorite up to this point. But damn it, you put a CRT filter yeah uh, on on some on some good animation and stick some uh, sick bubblegum pop with it. It's, this yeah. might be my favorite one. It's or it's at least like top two. I think this is my number two. 
I think episode five is still my number one, just because I still like the song a little more, even though I really liked the visuals for this one. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of where we leave off with, with Chainsaw Man. Uh, I don't have screenshots for Gundam, but I just want to say that I'm happy that Gundam's back. And also they officially finally admitted that Ariel is a Gundam. Which was that, kind of funny. The secret that literally everyone knew except for Suleta. Yeah. Um, and then her mom at the end is like, hey, I, I have to say a few things in this episode. I thought it was really funny that Suleta is in no way, shape, or form like weirded out by her mom wearing her evil Charvelin mask. <laughs> She's yeah, like, hey, yeah. mom. Hey, <laughs> what's up, mom? Hey, sweetie. Like, okay. So, you go get your mama a drink. I need to vaguely threaten your girlfriend. Right. Yeah. And also, I. I've seen a lot of people talking understandably about whether or not Gundam is actually going to follow through on any of its gay vibes. Um, mm-hmm. There's obviously still out. Um, I think this is maybe the most development, I guess you could call it with the Mirene Suleta dynamic that we've gotten in a while. Yeah. Um, we've forming a company together. They're joining together in capitalistic matrimony. Well, and they, and they were really pushing the bride thing again. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Like when Mirin was like, I'm going to protect you. Like, I'm going to. Yeah, like, I liked that okay, part. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also liked that uh, Prospera, I mean, she was kind of mean about it, TBH. But she had a point because uh, Mirin has, you know, talked a lot of talk about, I need to get away from my evil father and go to Earth and grow tomatoes and all these other sorts of things without acknowledging the uh, social and financial benefit she gets just from being associated with him as his daughter. And that's never come up. You know, she just walks around high society and is able to just have immediately have respect from her peers and all these sorts of things because of her association with her father. And so when Prosper and her are talking one-on-one, she says all this stuff and Prosper kind of laughs at her. And again, kind of mean, but she's like, you got to put your pride away. Like you, you don't understand the, like the, uh, uh, the word that means, when you get things with, for just existing privileges, oh, privileges. Yeah. the privileges that you have just mm-hmm. for being who you are. And um, you should probably acknowledge those before you just stand around and talk about how awful your dad is all the time because you're benefiting from association with him. And maybe so, even use them instead of like, instead yeah. of just trying to pretend that they don't exist, maybe acknowledge them, use yeah. them. You know, daddy's going to give you some of that money. Maybe you can, you know, shove it back in his face. So, and that's what she ends up doing is that there's been this ongoing like uh, law or that you can't use Gundams because at least the technology at the time, hey, it, you know, was killing its users, which, you know, okay, fair, but that doesn't mean technology can't advance beyond that. And it seems to have with the Ariel and even with Elon's um, uh, mech, which its name escapes me right now. It's like, it's a weird name. I'd recognize it if I saw it. So she decides to form a company at this fancy Kickstarter party and uh, her dad invests 3%. And so him giving it's her- like the, it's, like the, it's like the one percenters equivalent of like a Tupperware party. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we're all going to get together and try to hawk our, hawk our shit. <laughs> and, hawk, uh... Yeah. Who's got the best idea for new, for new add-ons to- the giant mech industry. Oh, me, me, me. So uh, they do that under the premise that actually we are going to do Gundam, but it's going to be safe Gundam with oversight. And daddy gave me 3%. What do you guys think? Instead of stalling out on this tech. 
and that's the way they save the aerial. So, yeah, that was interesting. I'm curious to also see how uh, Suleta's relationship with uh, haughty Elon continues and how long it will take her to figure out that that's not Elon Elon. The other one was a clone. Right. This one is just well, I don't know. Elon. I might have been, I might have missed, I might be misremembering, I might have misread it. But did did Prospera say that the big the big battle Gundam thingy from the prologue um, that like resulted in Gundams being banned? Did mm -hmm. she say that that was twenty one years ago? See, I was also like squinting at that point because I'm not positive, and I know that there's a there's a big thing trying to figure out the timeline of this show that the assumption that Saleta and Ari are the same person isn't really true. And she could be an older sister that like wasn't at the base at the time. Um, although that introduces a whole bunch of other things like who was she with? Cause both parents were there and what would have been her little sister or people have floated that she's a clone. Um, all this yeah, other, I mean, we stuff. know that cloning is a thing. We or do whatever they did. I, I, I was a little it was an advanced of... human or something, but supposedly yeah. she's she's not the same kind of thing that the Elon we knew was. She's not she's not a cyber new type. She's a homegrown yeah. or whatever. The, something. She's a, a witch, right, or whatever. They're yeah, called. yeah. They keep calling her a witch. Um, so we'll have to see still where that's going, but that it's murky. The timeline is, I think, intentionally yes murky. But I think the show's paced great so far. Yeah. I mean, I think it got announced for 24 episodes, so not the usual not the usual it. 50 that a Gundam gets, which might be a good thing. Yeah. Um, depending they, on they also keep like having the what I feel like are the Utena references. Like even this party, there's a there's a party equivalent in early Utena, um, where Nanami's dress melts when uh not Nanami, sorry, uh he may Anthe's dress melts off of her. It was a gift. Oh, and then yeah. when the Nami oh, yeah. spills a whole bunch of drinks on her. And we yeah. see in this episode that uh, it's Miorin lends a dress to Saleta, and Saleta manages to cover herself in champagne on accident. Her dress doesn't melt, obviously, but that seemed like a slight reference. And then there's also a moment where um, Miorin doesn't say this, but she apparently remembers the death of her mother. And at least from her memory as a child when that happened, her father was kind of absent and maybe she didn't feel like he grieved her mother much or something. You only get kind of a small, like a short view of the coffin and it's full of flowers. And that's also a reoccurring motif in Utena with uh, uh, Utena herself, like sleeping in a coffin full of flowers and being found by, um, well, who she's found by kind of changes as the story goes on. There's a couple of yeah. different fake outs with, with who comes across her while she's in this coffin. So they know yeah. what they're doing They're they're And I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, okay. We're almost out of time, but I do want to talk about Occupy Mabor because it continues to be hilarious as often as possible. Um, the, the maid, this particular maid war comes to a close, but not before um, Nagomi abandons her maidly duties to become a ninja and then to become a ninja maid. And then the, and that's, we, we should clarify for people that aren't watching Akima Maid War that yes. does not mean that she has left the food service industry, <laughs> right? She is still working at a ninja themed restaurant in Akihabara, right? But there is a, a cultural distinction where the ninjas are literally just 
waitstaff that presumably do not engage in murderous gang warfare. Apparently not. Apparently not. I'm trying to find... I realized I opened the uh, Occupy Made War episode 6 screen caps instead of episode 7. There they are. So this will take me just a second. Sorry, everybody. Um, yeah. So they have... I mean, and she's still kind of doing maid-like uh, duties? I, guess she, I mean, she's say. still like a... She's a waitress, you know. Right, she's and a, she's got a catch, you know, a bunch of made catchphrases, and um, uh, Na- Nagonin is that her her ninja name? Yeah, Nagonin. Yeah. yeah. Oops. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. The, even know the pun the pun game on this episode is very strong. It is, but it's Ronco that finds her first, and she's just kind of in denial. She still has her pigtails. They stick through the top. Um, but, you know, uh, in memory of, of her fallen sister, Negonin, uh, she, she returns to fight what appears to be a losing battle against made aliens who yeah. are ready to take down their cafe. Um, the Japanese name for the cafe is really fun to say. I wish I could remember it right now, but it's like don don did it on yeah did on don ton or something like that it always just sounds like they're making music sounds um so in this <laughs> during the showdown the chief takes a hostage and the made aliens just promptly kill the hostage yeah they're like disposable don't care um i think is this the first time we've seen the the yaru use a gun she's a whole She's a horrible I think shot. So she is. I think so. Um yeah. and the, the episode does make a point to show that she and the chief are like the last two to, to get involved with like the real the real brawl throwdown mm-hmm. fighting. So I think that's kind of like that's sort of like her in keeping with her characters that she will fight, but she's I don't think that's her specialty. So this is a shot of uh, Nagomi flying through the air in her ninja outfit saying i'm a maid and then proceeds to use shuriken punk will fucking kill you uh, she uses shuriken and smoke bombs and all the other stuff at her disposal and she's actually pretty good at it so maybe she yeah. was just a stealth fighter from the start you know like she was well, no uh, my head cannon okay. is my head cannon is that all of these battle ready ninjutsu techniques were just a part of her of her cafe orientation. Well, yeah, because like, we see her using shuriken on a bullseye. Yeah. Like, so like... I, I have to imagine that, like, a, a part of the onboarding process for working at the Ninja Cafe was learning how to uh, lethally murder people or non lethally incapacitate them with kunai and shuriken if necessary. Yeah. yeah. Just in case it ever came up. You know, you can't be besmirching the image of the cafe. Now, Akira Maidwar has one big mystery. And I'm curious if it'll ever like reveal its hand on this. Do you think we will ever see the panda without the panda head on it? God. Like, do you think we'll ever see the person inside this panda outfit? Because they like straight up beat some people to death in this episode. Is it better? Would it be better if we never saw them, or would the reveal be funnier? I'm not sure. So. For some reason, and this probably isn't even possible because they probably like shared screen time. A part of me was wondering: Is the reveal going to be that it's that ramen guy? 
It's like that he like moonlights as the panda. Oh, that would um, be great. Yeah. Or is it going to be like a ridiculously hot and talented maid that like could have been using her skills this whole time, but has chosen to be the the, the mascot panda instead, the, the off-brand useless mascot? I don't know. Why do they even have a panda mascot? That's never been resolved either. It's a pig-themed cafe with a panda mascot. Well, but he has a pig bow tie, so or she. They have a pig bow tie. James, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm sure that's that's what the chief thought, though. Yeah. It was like, maybe like the panda outfit they found in the trash. And like, if we stick a pig bow tie on it, it's still on theme. Or I wonder if like the chief used to run like a panda themed cafe and like they all got horribly killed. And so yeah. the chief and the panda just like tried to start over, but they didn't want to invest in a, in a new costume. Possibly. <laughs> So they effectively like whipped the maid aliens' asses, despite being horribly outnumbered. And uh, Crimson Supernova retreats and is confronted in a park for a final showdown in which Nagomi refuses to kill her because ramen changes over time, and so should maids. Which maybe, maybe the maid industry shouldn't be about lethal, bloody gang warfare, and should just be about. You being know, maids. Serving omelets with cute little ketchup doodles on them. I don't know. <laughs> this, was, this was literally my favorite part because she's just so serious the whole time. And she's like, if you call yourself a maid, feel the moe moe coon. And then she just like gives her the heart hand. And that's, you know, that's it. That's and again, I just love like her response is like, why I have to hear that shit from a fucking ninja? Which again <laughs> implies that there's like this cultural beef between the maids and the ninjas where the yeah. ninjas are like second class citizens because they don't engage in this in this gang war yeah. they just try to do their jobs to serve people ninja themed food and beverages yeah and i mean we skipped a bit but like there's an on like she there's ongoing bickering this isn't like the first time like there there's another time where she calls her ninja she's like no i'm a maid and she's like you're a ninja and like they're like arguing about what she is no no i can but yeah, that that moment of weakness is enough for the remaining made aliens to uh, take Crimson Supernova out. It's time for you to become a Stardust memory. That was, was really my, that was my favorite line. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was a really good line. They just fill her full of bullets. They do like, yeah. and it's implied that they then put her in an oil drum and drop her in the sea, as you do. And her loyalists splinter off from the group, leaving no fighters for the made aliens so even though they plan to uh join up with the creature land group they no longer have any basically any chips on the table to to force negotiations so they have to concede everything and that's how that's the sad end to the made aliens and also we're kind of it's kind of implied that they still want um the pig maids to well because that now, now correct that's the that's the creature land boss right yes the creature land yeah. boss doesn't like them either like she's kind of tried to set them up to die yeah. a few several times, times. several yeah. times at this point and they've yeah. made it out by the skin of their teeth so so i'm, I'm guessing we're gonna get a fun baseball episode where mm -hmm. presume no one will die i'm sure yeah um and then not during baseball never no. And then I'm guessing that the, the final arc is going to be in true Yakuza fashion. Um, they're going to have to go up against their own organization from mm -hmm. within. And yeah. I, um, burn I, can't, it all down. I can't 
overemphasize how much of this episode is just engaged in like Yakuza storytelling stereotypes with maids though. Like the soundtrack sounds like something out of a Western. So it's all like uh, showdown type music. Everyone's like yelling about loyalty and, and, you know, uh, politicking between the two groups. It's just everyone is dressed as a maid. And all the characters are taking it 100% seriously the entire time, but the staff want you to know that they are not, and that yeah. you should be laughing at this, yeah. which just makes it funnier. Yeah, and I, it's even down to like, because I I saw um you know I saw some people like um, commenting on how um like with Nerula we we didn't like we didn't really get to know her well. It kind of felt like she came out of nowhere, but it's like. <laughs> If, uh, if you've played as many of the Yakuza games as I have now played, the yeah. number of times some random character will be like, hey, it's me, your friend for years, um, only to to die tragically and horribly because it's the only reason they exist in the story. It's like, yep, man, that fits. Yeah, yeah. So anytime you meet a new character in a Yakuza game, you just have to flip a coin. It's like, all right, are they going to die horribly or are they going to be revealed to be a traitor from the rival Yakuza family that's uh -huh. tried to secretly infiltrate the, the main Yakuza family? Or are they secretly the mastermind behind everything <laughs> and you're only going to find out in the last two hours of a 65-hour game? <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this show for a while now. I hope you guys have checked it out. It's on High Dive. It's It wasn't one of the, like, big anticipated shows and a really stacked season, but it's consistently really well animated and really funny. Yep. So please check out Aqua made more. Um, that's it for us this week. Next week, I think we'll be back. Let's see. This is going to be Thanksgiving and then 29th. And then, Oh my God, we're into December. Don't tell me that that can't be real. And then we have to start thinking about like best anime of the year stuff. And uh, no, and, and then Another and a new season guys. in January. Yes, it's, it's a never-ending cycle. So uh, I want I mean, to if we, get a, if we get a season that's even thirty percent as good as this season has been, mm -hmm. I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like we'll be talking about the great season of fall twenty twenty two for a while. Remember when we got all those really good shows in fall twenty twenty two? Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Um, stay safe, and I hope you get to eat some yummy food on Thursday. And feel the moe moe cune, everybody. Moe moe cune! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.